This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness created by the real life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Janelle. I'm a proud new owner of a stand up paddle board. Peanut butter and salami is a tasty treat, and a treat fell in my car the other day. I'm Judy Dano. I'm a mug snob. I can't help memorizing license plates. It just happens. I am an earth sign and mountains are my jam. Hi, I'm Rachel. I have a strength in seeing the beauty in all things. My favorite body part is my butt. And I live amongst the trees these days and I love it. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. All right. Um, Judy, what's your favorite mug that you own? (laughs) Um, I have two of them. One of them is a tall mug that my daughter made for me, um, years ago, but it's like the, it's, it's not shiny. So the feel of it is really cool. So it's, for me, it's all about the feel. It's like the handle, the handle is perfect. It's like creates an experience for me. So I love that. And then I have another one, um, that is, it's actually, I don't even know if it's mine, to be perfectly honest. It might be my daughter's. Um, but it's it's just the shape of it. And a lot of it has to do with the, the feel of the, the handle on it. So, yeah. That's so cool. I have never paid attention to the handle feel. And now I'm like, you will now. About, I know. I'm like, <laughs> huh. I love that. Lately, I've been to calm myself down like rocks and crystals yeah the feel of them like I'll go to the beach and I'll pick one up and if it's like super Mm -hmm. smooth I keep it and I just carry it around and I like pet it in my pocket yeah that's That's exactly so I can relate to that yeah yeah. (laughs) super calming I'm trying to think right now my favorite mug is a taller mug it's actually a metal one and it's like Hmm. almost like one of those camping ones it's white oh, yeah. with a blue rim. And I think they were just like throwaway mugs that my mom, she loves giving us, she loves us having things to open at holidays. And so there's been years like at Christmas or our birthday where we just, like I got a, a broken timer one time and I was like, what is this? And she's like, I just wanted you to open, be able to open something. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I have all this other stuff to open. Like, you needed one more thing. But anyway, so <laughs> this past Christmas, she had, I think they, she must have had these somewhere. And so she was just like, I don't know if you don't like them, like, whatever. And I was like, no, I do. And I don't know if it's because it reminds me of, like, camping and being outside or what. But it's, I love the size of it, too. Like, bigger mugs that aren't mm-hmm. in diameter. I don't necessarily, like larger diameter mugs but like taller ones almost like a, a thermos I really like so it's that's exactly the it's funny that you say that because the mug that I that I said first that was my favorite it's very it's tall it's not like a regular mug it's so cool it's so funny I never really thought about why or which ones I like better but yeah and then the other one I love is my brother and his girlfriend had a baby and um in Italian aunt is Zia and I love that name so she calls me Zia well she can't talk right now but that's like what they're whenever I get on FaceTime with her they'll be like it's Zia and so they made me a little mug with her foot her feet print on it and it says Zia and it's like the cutest thing ever so those are my two go-tos right now I have one it's very curvaceous actually Elizabeth from Spider got it for me I think yeah, it just has like a J on it, but I like it because it curves inward and then it's like, it's like an hourglass shape and it, I just like to hold it. Is it, is it like a diner mug? It's not exactly. It's even more curvy than a diner mug, but yeah, similar, like similar. Yeah. It's a little bit rounder than a diner mug because I feel like a diner mug is more hourglass and this is, which I said it was, but this is like even more curvy than that. Mm. I love the diner mugs. They just don't carry mm-hmm. enough liquid for me. Yeah, that's true. It's a smaller one. Yeah. But it's good for tea. It is. It is. Um, yeah, Judy, I'm, like, so excited to have you back on here. What's the weather like in Milwaukee? 
<laughs> Thanks. Um, actually, it's supposed to be in the 60s today. Really? We have been, yeah, yeah. So we've been, you know, in the 40s, 50s, if we're lucky. And today we're supposed to be in the 60s. So I am hoping to get outside. That's oh, nice. yeah. I'm super excited to be here, too. It's I love our conversations. And last time was a blast. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Are you are you guys still in shelter in place? We are. Yeah. Um, they opened up the golf courses, though, which, okay. you know. Not sure why, but <laughs> oh, well, Dallas, Dallas opened things back up yesterday. So it's really everything. Um, everything or yeah, not gyms, but mm-hmm. like um, a lot of stuff. Um, oh. and yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. There's really a lot of really strong mixed opinions about it. So yesterday was mm-hmm. the largest spike in deaths from the mm. sickness like and so and it doesn't sound like anything's changing so mm-hmm. I went out we went out yesterday to get some meat because this the shelves are still pretty low and like some places people are wearing masks but then we went to another place and there was nobody wearing masks they were all just like hanging out and I was like this is mm. so I don't know I, it's it it yeah. makes me uncomfortable it does I don't I just I don't like the it I don't know. I don't want to like get too political about anything, but it just feels like why wouldn't we all just whether it's made up, whether it's whatever, it's just a mask. And like you could wear the mask for a month and if everybody did it, it really would curb this thing. And there are some really compromised populations and like how could somebody not care? So I guess I'm having a lot of feelings around it, but Yeah, it's interesting because here they're, you know, like I'm talking to a lot of people, uh, you know, obviously, because that's what I do, but um, that are wanting the everything to get back to normal and at the same time are just terrified for it to get back to normal. Yeah. um, Just because of the, you know, the fear around getting sick or having their loved ones be sick or, yeah. and so that's been super interesting to have those conversations about, you know, people seem to be kind of on the spectrum of, you know, I, I'm terrified and I want to stay in, you know, quarantine for, you know, years and all the way to the other side of, you know, this is ridiculous and, and we need to just get back to normal. Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting. Probably, well, and it's, it's probably, I mean, obviously it's like a balance between the two, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. And I don't know, my friend who lives in nursing lives in nursing. Wow. I'm still waking up. Um, who works in, she's a nurse practitioner in Indiana and she sent us an article that said people our um, my age are susceptible to like really bad types of strokes when you are infected. Mm. And so you might not mm. have any of the symptoms, but then they're mm. all of a sudden having stroke symptoms. And they're like, that can't be possibly happening. And they're not doing anything about it. And if you don't get a stroke checked out in the first 24 hours. So there's just kind of all this weird stuff. And to me, I'm like, yeah, it's a nuisance. Yeah, let's get back to normal. But like, yeah, wearing a mask is annoying. But it's really in the grand scheme of things, like it's really not that bad. And mm-hmm. I don't know, me personally... I too have been just because of the the coaching. I've been talking mm-hmm. with a lot of people who are like, you know, now the expectation is that I go back to work and I'm I am terrified. Like I don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess the good thing there's a lot of businesses that have been giving people the chance to, um, like you have a lot of places I've heard like you have until June to kind of mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think they realize that it's happening really fast. Like we were one of the last States to close and now we're mm-hmm. one of the first ones to open. And I've, I, you know, for better or for worse, I think it's nice that the companies are giving people options right now. But I think come June, June 1st has been the date that I've been hearing from a lot of people of like, as of June 1st, like the expectation is that you're figuring out how to be okay with being here, whether that's you wear a mask, whether that's whatever. And mm-hmm. unless something else crazy happens but I don't know it's kind that's of in, that's interesting Rachel because um it, it's interesting that they're putting the responsibility on the employee um because I'm hearing kind of both sides of it too I'm hearing that 
a lot of corporations or a lot of businesses are seeing what they can do to make sure that all of their employees are safe. So it's kind of good that hopefully there's responsibility on both sides from yeah. for that. And then the other thing that I'm hearing a lot of is a lot of companies are, are questioning whether they even want to go back to their offices because Ugh. remote work is actually working for them. I know. See, that's the <laughs> that's, part. One of my facts from the beginning was going to be I actually really like the lifestyle I've created in quarantine and yeah. I don't want yes. to go back to the way yes. it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it's Dylan gonna be said the same interesting thing yesterday yeah mm-hmm. I think he'll be doing things a lot more remote because they same thing they were like we they didn't think that they could do it and now it's been working great and so mm-hmm. um yeah I think that'd be really cool I would love to see a world that is like that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that don't like working remotely that mm-hmm. want to be in an office. So I, I guess I don't think it works for everybody. But totally. yeah, it's more it's options. Been interesting, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see like co working spaces in the future, especially if companies are going really more remote, but then people want to be around other people or like co- even coffee shops may mm-hmm. evolve kind of mm-hmm. to support that initiative. Because I agree. I like to have the option. I prefer working from home, but normally if I wanted to be around people and I had a remote job, I would go to a coffee shop and work. Um, So I think there's definitely opportunity for businesses moving forward to cater to a, a larger workforce that is remote. I think it's really interesting. I agree, Janelle. I think the um, co-working spaces that, that it's going to be very interesting to see what they look like after all of this. And then I've actually read articles about that the hotels right now are offering their rooms as workspaces for people who can't go into their offices, but you know can't really get anything done at home because of everything else that they have going on and um, at home. So that's been interesting too. And it'll be interesting to see if there's a, a shift there because the article that I read stated that they were um, seeing that a lot of people were meeting in their lobbies anyway for work meetings. I thought that was interesting. That's crazy. That's actually a really good idea. I might look into mm-hmm. that. We were talking about because I, I ended up moving back um, to the condo I own in California and internet here is not always the best. And I was talking to my boss about that and cause we do zoom meetings all the time and I'm like, Hey, my internet freezes all the time, but it's like, I can't go to an office. I can't go to a coffee shop. Like I don't really have any options. Um, and we were saying that like, how are people handling that if they don't have good internet or they live in a remote area and they have a job that requires them to stay connected. Um, so that's, mm-hmm actually really interesting that hotels are doing that. Maybe I'll end up hitting one up by the ocean over here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the internet, um, obviously is a, a good perk for that or the, uh, you know, an absolute plus in regards to that because, you know, they have decent internet. Hmm. I love that. I love, I've said this before, but I love all the pivots that we're experiencing Mm -hmm. and like, I like seeing people just be agile and, and, and not that they are immediately that, like most of the businesses that I've seen pivot really well have actually been really upset and then (laughs) they pivot. And so, um, I don't know, it's been cool to see the things that people have come up with and how people are finding new, um, new angles, new doors, new ways of seeing how their business can stay in essence but change in form so I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed that yeah I have too it's like the stages of grief and all of it that a lot of business owners that we've been working with at my full-time job that's what we've been talking about how a lot of them basically went through the stages of grief but once you get to acceptance now it's let's run what do mm-hmm. we need to do to keep us afloat and to move forward it almost seemed like acceptance came really quick though at least from some of the visits, like I'm, I'm tend to be connected to <clears throat> the gym scene, like gyms, studios. Um, so I don't know if they just like, I don't know. It seemed like literally they were accepting while still feeling the things that they were feeling, um, and still going through all of the stages of grief because for sure they were. But it, it, it didn't. It seemed like it happened really fast that they were able to like feel the things they were feeling while also 
adapting, which, um, again, was super cool. I feel like that's how my life has been. <laughs> Every time, <laughs> like it's another cycle of grief, but processing it pretty quick and like yeah, getting ready for the next wave. So, so definitely relatable. I, I totally agree with you, Rachel. It's been super cool to see how quickly people are, these businesses have pivoted. And, and um, like you said, from that place of acceptance. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is happening. We got to do something. And, and next thing we know, you know, restaurants are becoming grocery stores and <laughs> hotels are becoming workspaces. And Well, and the cool thing right. is, is, I mean, the cool thing is that it wasn't, I, at least, and I, I haven't really put a ton of thought into this, it's just coming up now, but it's not like they sat there and had a strategy session and were like, okay, what are our options? At least the businesses I've been talking to, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. maybe they did. Maybe it was like a quick, like, here are three things. But a lot of times, like the meditation studio I'm working with, it was an offhand conversation that I had with somebody or somebody had with somebody and they were like, well, if you want to try that, let's just try it and see what happens. And so, and then that evolved into what it's become. So, you know, like they're, the company that Dylan works for right now, the owner owns a whole bunch of businesses in the area. And one of them is a restaurant. And when this all happened, he was like, well, I have all this food. It's going to go bad. I have Dylan who can make these little stands. Dylan, can you make stands? I'm going to make, I'm going to bring my food from the inside outside to turn it into a bodega. So it doesn't go bad. That way I can even like make any money for my employees at all. And then, And then pretty soon, like, he wasn't trying to make it a little bodega, but that's what it became, you know? And, like, Mm -hmm. so I think think it's cool, at least for me, when I've been in the corporate world or been at these big companies, it seems like when we've wanted to shift or when, you know, even just thinking about how you just evolve from season to season, it's, like, so much conversation, so much strategy. And the data and the analytics and all that stuff is great, but, you know, they're... I don't remember as much nimbleness and there's all these barriers that I think that I remember there being myself also saying like, well, we can't do that. Like that's not possible. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, here we are in this situation where you have to figure it out or you're not going to make it. And so anything is better than nothing. And even if you aren't totally sure where it's going to net out, excuse me, even if you're not sure where you think it's going to net out or, where you ultimately think it's going, trusting in those small steps. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this can be this, um, has been really cool for me and a good reminder, even if I bring it back to my own micro universe of, you know, I can have an idea of like, you know, in my head, this makes sense for right now. It's not going to be detrimental. It feels like the right thing that I should be doing from my inner guidance. I'm going to do it. And then you do it without necessarily having the full picture and it becomes what it's supposed to become. Not necessarily what you thought it might have, but it at least got you moving in a direction for the thing that it was going to become to get there. And yeah, it's been just like a cool insight for me in my own life because I really like to have a plan and know what I'm working into and that can sometimes paralyze me from moving today like acting today and seeing that action creates movement that creates momentum that is almost like it's easier to steer the shift than to get it started, you know? (laughs) So anyways, that's been like a cool thing for me to just sit with for myself. I I think I, I love that, Rachel. I love how you brought it back to you and you know, how, how this is bringing such incredible messages for, for everybody involved. I think the evolution that we're going to see within, within individuals is going to be huge. I think people are asking questions more on the existential level than they ever have been before. I just think that there's going to be a lot of shifts. And the one thing that really came up for me while you were talking about it was um, I feel like people the, I go, the words that I would put to it is like they they had a sense of I have nothing to lose because if I don't do something, whereas like when we're in that what feels stable um, and the message that kind of like now we have this message of the rug can be pulled out 
at any time, right? From something that we have no control over, but we kind of play into that place of, you know, well, if I make this move, you talk about the strategy and the analysis and the conversations that happen. And that thought is always like, well, what are we going to lose instead of what are we, what are we going to gain? And I think the rug being pulled out with this um, COVID-19 is really kind of shifted people away from having to think about what they're going to lose because they already potentially lost it all. And so it allowed people to just make that shift really quickly because it was like, well, I already kind of lost it all, you know, potentially. And now I, I'm shifting um, to, to make sure that I can move forward in a, in a, a more positive direction that is actually going to bring me either something else or save, you know, my business or my personal, you know, my personal situation. I love yeah, that. There's freedom. Like I keep saying that in a lot of the things that are happening in my life, there's a lot of freedom in it. Even if yeah. it, the freedom isn't immediate, but when you don't, like a lot of the things that are quote unquote tying me down mm-hmm. are eliminated now. So yeah, quick shifts. And just I keep on trying to personally embrace the freedom that I'm about to have because of this rather than the loss. Although the loss is... You still experience that too, but <laughs> when I'm reframing, it's freedom. Yeah, I love I love the call out of, you know, without needing like, what can we what insight can we take from this or what um, what spark of of a conversation can we take from this without needing to have the global pandemic to spur it and that idea of like okay, what can we gain from this is a very different mm-hmm. way of looking at how you build a business or how you, and not just from a monetary standpoint, but just like, what can, where else can we experience a gain versus a, what might we lose? I'm just like, sorry, I'm like playing it out in my head of like a conversation like that. And it, typically I think it always goes to like, at least for me, the companies that I've worked with, it's like, yeah, that's cool, but we know this works and we, yeah, you know, and so it's, it's right. And we've now all experienced what is possible when we do, um, come from a place of, you know, we've already kind of lost everything. So, <laughs> you know, what's, what could we gain? What could we do that would help us gain at this point? Um, you know, maybe that does open, open up. I mean, it does open it up. So, mm-hmm. Anyways, it's a cool conversation, um, and I appreciate your insight because I know you work with a lot of businesses um, right now, really from mm-hmm. a cultural standpoint, but also the business implications of having a cultural and people-first conversation. So I'm sure yeah. you're in some really interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really um, gr- great, actually. I mean, not that I wish this on anybody, but um, I do see people being able to be the most authentic versions of themselves within organizations. And that if we can take that away from this struggle that we're all going through right now, um, I mean, that's gold right there for people to be able to show up as authentically. And I'm talking about, you know, all, you know, all levels of an organization and um, the modeling that the leaders are doing within organizations right now, sharing their vulnerabilities within this. It's, I mean, it's, it's really cool because, you know, like I said, not that I would wish any of this on anybody. Um, but man, if we can walk away from this with people being able to be more human within the organizations, um, I, I think that would be fabulous. Yeah. I think that's why uh, I think that wraps into the reason that I'm like, I don't want it to go back because Mm -hmm. Even again, even within like I work with Lululemon and their transparency, our ability to see week by week the decisions that they're making, like they've shared it with mm-hmm. us because they know we're for, we're scared, and mm-hmm. so they've shared with us. Here's what we're thinking through. Here are our guiding principles. Like when would nobody would ever have at least that? That's not the conversations that they were having before. So like there are kids in college mm-hmm. that are getting exposure to how. I don't know how big, uh, how big Lululemon is, but like a large brand making 
very big decision making that takes a lot of factors into account and to be able to, from a people first standpoint and Mm -hmm. being superhuman and getting on technology and having it flub and seeing them gracefully and not gracefully work through it. And, um, I have loved that. And so Mm -hmm. I do think some of that will, will continue and then, um, it'll probably level out adjusted from where it was, but not to the extreme that it is. Um, and will continue to evolve. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But then as, as those college kids become older and they run companies, they'll remember how that felt. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly what I mean is like, yeah. it's made an impact on me to be able to see like, man, if I had seen a company work through that decision-making process before I was the head of brand back when I was 30, like that, maybe I would have been not as freaked out about like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know all the things. And obviously I know a lot more about imposter syndrome than I did back then, but it's been cool to, even for myself, I'm like, okay, they didn't really know what to do either. (laughs) And they had to bring in industry experts and they are considering different things. They've tried, they tried things and then we're like, that wasn't the right call. So we're shifting like, and I think that that's been I'm grateful that this experience is bringing, to your point, that transparency and that humanness. And I personally want to be a stand for that as I continue forward. I was before, but I feel like I can own it in a lot different way now. So, mm-hmm. Well, and I think even to the industry experts, and yes, they have some expertise in the industry, but no one has done this before. And so it's this very even playing field where, I mean, it's very easy to call bullshit on someone if they're like, I know what to do here. (laughs) I think your point, Janelle, is really um, critical that people understand that. And if there's anybody that is kind of presenting themselves as, as I know what to do here, um, we do have to kind of question it and, and, and not from a negative standpoint, but just from a personal responsibility standpoint, use your discernment and um, really bring it back to you. And what is, um, what do you know about your current situation and um, what is relevant for you personally, whether that's an organization or an individual, because I think that we can get really pulled in, to um, things with there being so much out there right now around this whole situation. So I appreciate that perspective. Hey, 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 everyone. Event alert. Wanted to let you know that Rachel and I are going to be hosting the Reconnecting to Your True North workshop coming up on Saturday, June 13th at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. What the heck is this? This is a 90-minute workshop that involves movement and reflection that will help you connect back to your authentic self, your true north. If you're interested, check out the link in our Instagram. That'll take you to Eventbrite. You can sign up, read all the details there, but we would love to have you. It's a free workshop and it's live with us on Zoom. So come see our smiling faces. We would love to have you. All right, let's jump back in the podcast. Well, let's, um, we brought Judy on today to talk about our relationship to our body. (laughs) And, um, I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation because it's super relevant. And so I'm going to (laughs) pivot and, you know, how the, at least for me during quarantine, it's been interesting with social media and I've noticed a really big, um, delineation between how people are even talking about exercise. Like I've seen people who are like gung-ho, like make sure when you're in quarantine that you walk away as a new person and like all this stuff. And then there's been a backlash of like, if you sit in quarantine and you gain 15 pounds, that is absolutely okay. And so it's been interesting to watch this situation play out in terms of body image and self-acceptance. Um, I know we talked, Judy, about how exercise, you know, while there's now online options, it's just not the same and that works and doesn't work for some people. And 
So I think that's kind of an interesting in to this conversation that we had planned even way before all this was going to happen. So I'm going to introduce you, Judy, and then I'm excited to just have a conversation about our relationships with our bodies, especially as women from three different decades. Um, so we'll kind of have different perspectives to bring to it. But Judy Dano, she, you guys have heard her before. She was on earlier this year where we talked about trust and we did an intention setting workshop. If you have not listened to that, I highly recommend it. Judy is the CEO and an elite mindset coach at Thrive, a human development company. Uh, they offer coaching and um, strategies, personalized strategies for organizations and teams to disrupt their system in a really human way. So figuring out how to bring that human aspect more to the surface as a better business decision, as a life decision. And it's where I got like cut my, what is it? Cut my chops. That's not the right thing. (laughs) Cut your teeth. Cut Cut my teeth. teeth. That's it. I always mess up things. I cut my teeth in life coaching with their life coaching program and have continued to stay connected with them. Judy is one of my mentors and one of my coaches, and I'm so honored to have you back on the podcast. Welcome, Judy. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah. Thanks, Janelle. (laughs) Yeah. So I would love to hear just how you got here um, today, really through the lens of the conversation that we're going to be having around our relationship to our body. Um, That might seem a little niche, but... I'm throwing it out there. We're going to see what we get. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, so my journey started um, a while back. I mean, I'm, I'll just share my age and share it with the world. Um, I just turned 52 actually on Wednesday. So, um, but I don't feel 52. I feel whatever the, that, that age is just a number. The thing that I want people to know about me is that, um, yes, I'm a coach. Yes, this is what I do for a living. Um, Rachel, I appreciate the introduction, beautiful introduction. Um, but the biggest thing I want people to know is that I'm a human just like everybody else. And I have the same struggles that everybody else does. So my journey um, that we're going to be talking about today you know, has started when I would say it started from the first moment that somebody, some external source said something about, um, my body that I, that was like, became an awareness of, Oh, wow. I didn't see my, I didn't realize I didn't see it that way. And it's like, Oh, should I be concerned about that? So um, that that's probably the first memory, you know, the first, I, I kind of go back when I'm thinking about this topic about the first memory of having an awareness of maybe I, sh- of, of like an external source that made me start feeling insecure about my body. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with it. Um, and then I have since done, you know, a lot of work around, my body image, my relationship with my body, my relationship with food, my relationship with, uh, quite frankly, my hair, because <laughs> I'm, I am gray now. So, or going gray, I'm not full, fully gray. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Do you think that, okay, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of the first memory that I ever had where I, I think it was that somebody made a comment that I hadn't shaved my legs. And then I was like, mm. oh shit. <laughs> Or mm-hmm. the boys were like snapping the bras in mm-hmm. and I didn't wear a bra because I literally didn't have a chest until maybe I was 20. Like, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I remember being like, I need to just have a bra on so that there's something to snap, um, which is kind of crazy. But my question is, did you, it sounds like the relationship to food and the relationship to your hair and everything was a proactive one like a choice that you made? Does that feel true or was that it kind of just like organically happened? It absolutely feels true that it was that there, I am in very intentional. Um, I don't, I can't say that it was always that way, but I definitely make intentional choices. Um, and Rachel, you know this about me. I, I, because I teach authenticity, it feels important to me to, to live that and, and to share that, to share my authenticity with the world. So, um, 
one of the things that, so for me, I don't cover up my grays. If I decided to color my hair, it would be because I want to, um, because I want, because it'd be fun. You know what I mean? It would be a fun color. And I'm not saying that I'll never do it. Um, but so far I'm not doing it. And so, but in, in the reason why is I have an intentional awareness around that I want to model authenticity and that's one way I can do it. No judgment on, on people who color their hair that no judgment on, you know, why they do it or whatever. This is just me personally um, and how I want to live my life. I, I love that. The reason I asked the question is that I'm, I'm 37. So I turned 37 in January. Mm-hmm. I also don't feel 37. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and for me, when I look back on like those times where people called things out about me, I did everything that I subsequently done all the self-care, all of the nutrition, all that stuff has been to, it's always been to ensure that I can curate a way of myself that looks a certain way that, so that I don't get called out again. And it's Mm -hmm. only been recently, and we've talked about how I incorporate self-care into my life. And it's been really difficult for me because, and I've had an aha lately that I think the reason it's been so difficult is that the self-care has been from a place of shame has, you know, Mm. I wouldn't have called it that. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like, well, that what I want is to be healthy and strong. And so therefore I want these things. But when I would go to do them, it just felt so, it felt like if I didn't do it, I was, something was wrong with me or I was not going to look that way or whatever. And I didn't realize how much like, self-care could be tenuously on the cusp of true self-care versus self-shaming, like just perpetuating the guilt and the shame about myself. And so I kind of have stopped all the things I think I'm supposed to do. And I'm really working to get to the heart of, you know, what I like about myself and how do I accept the parts of me that I feel such a pull to want to change. Like, I'm like, I have to run five miles so that I can get rid of this thing so that I can eliminate these bad things about me. Mm -hmm. And how do I actually flip it so that I am creating routine through movement and food that allows me to feel love for myself, to feel like I'm accepting that I'm adding something and I'm not there yet. Um, Well, isn't that, isn't it funny though, that the conversation in the beginning of this podcast was about, you know, (laughs) instead of, instead of what are you, you know, paying attention to what you're losing, how can we focus on what we're going to gain? Yeah. And I actually intentionally did that shift when exercise was kind of falling off of my radar, um, because I was doing it from that place of trying to lose, you know, trying to lose the weight or trying to lose the cellulite or trying to lose the stomach or whatever, you know, whatever it happened to be. Um, and I, I intentionally, I went like, this doesn't feel good. You know, am I, I'm doing this to, to feel good about myself and I just don't feel good. And so I, I did shift it to, well, what am I gaining? And as I'm aging, you know, I'm 52, um, and then I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm in decent shape and, and all of that. Um, but I, I was able to shift it to, as I'm getting older, I want to remain healthy but I also want to be able to keep up with my kids and eventually I'll have grandkids. So like those things are incredibly important to me. So now it's not about losing. It's, it's about remaining flexible and um, agile and um, having the ability to, you know, hike a mountain if I want to go hike a mountain um, or, you know, walk 10 miles a day like I did in Europe when I was, you know, back in um, February and, you know, those things are critically important to me. And so, yeah, I, you know, intentionality behind shifting to what I, what I'm gaining has really, really, really helped me stay in it. I I do. I love that. And I, I'm sitting here realizing that it could be also because I'm 37. I also see that in my young thirties and I tend to like, I hang around just like you, I hang around people of all Mm -hmm. sorts of ages 
And Mm -hmm. specifically, I feel like in the 30s is where you really start to notice like the creaks and the ooze and the, okay, I can't really push my body as hard as I used to. And so what does that mean for me in terms of how I've typically done this? And I, I think that I in my 30s have used exercise and food and stuff to try and stay young instead of, you know, and Mm. like now that I'm on the second half of the 30s, I kind of, I am feeling more of a permission to be able to, you know, how do I do the things that are going to just make me be the best version of myself now? I'm not trying to be something that I was. Whereas when I was in my younger 30s, I kind of, was still close enough to that feeling of invincibility that I would just like keep pushing. And I'd be like, I want to still look that way. But now I feel like I'm, I'm starting to become far enough removed from it that there's almost a permission to allow myself to be my age to, which I know age is a number, but to be me maybe is what I mean to say. That's, that's incredible, Rachel, because I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, that is, you know, I have gone through different, I mean, obviously I'm older than you guys. So I've gone through stages of significant memories of when I've had more difficult struggle with my image, let's just say overall image, um, and loving my, in the relationship with my body. And it is a lot of times like right now, hormones are going crazy for me. And um, so things are shifting and looking different. Another time was when I had kids, um, you know, my body changed after I had my first child. Um, and, it, you know, trying to maintain or go back to what it was before that just caused me struggle. It caused me you know, heartache really, because it was, I was never going to go back. (laughs) I mean, I had a kid, you know? And so, um, I think it's, I think that's really important is loving yourself and accepting yourself in each stage of where you're at in life. And it's not always easy to do. I mean, it's not like I flipped a switch and it was like, yay, I'm so cool with where I'm at. Like it was intentional practice, um, in terms of self-love and compassion and acceptance of, of who I am. And I'm still not a hundred percent there not even close because I'm in it right now. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. have a kid and Janelle, mm-hmm. I totally want to hear your perspective. Um, and I can, I mean, I think that while I say I'm 37, I'm in the second half of the thirties and I'm like more permission giving, I think that's actually the struggle that I'm in is recognizing that there's another way of approaching this, but still, I'm still so often drawn into, like lured into, I'm allowing myself to be lured into like, oh, well, if I just did this, if I just, you know, all you have to do is get up, like people like getting up at 4 a.m. every morning, not that there isn't anything bad with that. I just, you know, what is that for, Rachel? Like, so that you can look good in a swimsuit when you don't even like sitting out by the pool? Like, what is okay, what is your way of actually loving the body that you have right now? Um, I'm, I'm definitely in it, a lot, in it, like moment to moment. <laughs> um, Janelle, what's your take as someone in their 20s? Oh, I mean, there's a lot. What I was actually going to say is even um, from bringing it back to yourself, but even from a society perspective and working in the fitness industry, I try to be really mindful about what I say about my body um, to be an example for other people. And in turn, that also helps me. But being around people that are like, oh, I don't like that because I look fat or whatever. And remembering that, because this has been powerful for me, remembering that if I accept my body, that I can help other people accept their body more. Even working at a cycling studio and seeing people all different shapes and sizes, specifically women coming in and wearing a sports bra. For me, that was something that I'm like, Hey, because like that gives me permission to show up how I am today, whether it's me, you know, whatever weight or not, or whatever stage of my life, like, I can show up and feel like it's acceptable for my body to be seen. Um, and I haven't always felt that way. And it's something I still struggle with, but, um, 
recently I went and stand up paddleboarding with a friend last weekend and we took a picture and we were sitting down and I think like how my pants were sitting and I'm like, oh, I don't like that picture. And then part of me is like, no, fuck it. Like post that picture and just like, take, you know, take a stand that you like, you do have a stomach, you have fat on your body. That's a normal thing for people to have and not try to shy away from it or not share your body with the world just because it doesn't fit a certain mold that we're used to talking about. Um, so that's been my practice of just, when I see something and it's not always perfect. Like sometimes I don't post the picture or sometimes I'll still like I Photoshop on my phone and uh, I'll be honest, like I've edited out acne before and pictures before I posted them. Um, so I don't say that from a place that like I'm perfect at it all the time, but I try really hard <laughs> to just like show up and be like, no, like put it out there because then you're showing someone else that it's, you know, they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to look a certain way. I mean, it seems so easy to do it. Like, it's it's not. not. It's fucking not. It's really fucking (laughs) hard. (laughs) It is hard. Very hard. And I also don't, I also want to make sure that specifically for me that the message that I'm sending isn't that the choices that people are making, you know, to change their bodies that they're not comfortable with you know I there's no judgment around that from my perspective it is it is what it is and if that's what if that's what you need to do in this moment to to feel okay just use it as a training wheel you know and use it as as meaning a lot of times like I'll put on a certain outfit so that I feel better you know if I'm going to a certain thing and I'm I'm not going to go in sweats because I'm not going to feel like I'm appropriately dressed in that there's an image to that, that I'm portraying in that. And let's say it's a business meeting or whatever. And I guess, you know, so it's kind of like using the training wheels, but if I'm only putting the clothes on because those are the only things that make me feel good about myself, that's where I see the gap. And so, um, I don't know if that that's making sense. No, that was so it's... well said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I love eyelash extensions and I don't have them mm-hmm. and I get my, you know, eyebrows microbladed and blah, blah, blah. And I try to be transparent about those things with other people just so it's one, I do it because I want to do it because that mm-hmm. makes me feel good. And then two, because when I was younger, my younger twenties, especially I had all these friends around me that like had the most beautiful eyelashes and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I was so jealous and I felt so inferior in looks but I didn't realize that they were paying for those things. <laughs> like I, I, I don't, you know, I didn't know what lash extensions were. So I just thought they had amazing eyelashes or super thick hair only to find out they were hair extensions. And, and granted, not that everyone has to be transparent about it, but for me, because I was that person that felt like I was inferior in how I looked without realizing that, like, I actually, if I really wanted that, I had the option um, mm-hmm. to do that like it, it just made me feel better knowing that like I, I was like what the hell like why did my genetics suck <laughs> like, why, you know why does everyone else have such better genetics just to you know realize that it's not their genetics like they were making an active choice to want to look that way and that I got to make that choice too so it felt more empowering um, versus just being like oh shoot I'm never gonna look like that and there's multiple ways to do it right I could just accept that this is my body or I can choose that that's something that makes me feel good about myself and I want to do it. Yeah, I like that call out too. I think Dallas has been a place for me to, to your point, Judy, recognize that, you know, putting things in on, you know, fluffing yourself up isn't a bad thing. It's just another way of, of setting yourself up for, being the best version of yourself and there is no right and wrong it's really up to each of us to recognize when we are doing that as the only way to feel good about ourselves versus um doing it because it truly is just enhancing what we already know is is great about ourselves 
And not to say that's like a hundred percent all the time, but I think just being in that, in that conversation with ourselves. And then to your point, Janelle, that's another thing that Dallas has actually really been good at that I never realized. And I hadn't been exposed to, which is just owning the updates that they're doing. (laughs) Like they have no shame in being like, oh yeah, this is all just this thing and this thing and then this thing and then this thing. And then I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) I had no idea. And so, (laughs) you know, I guess I'm realizing that I've come from, you know, communities or whatever that didn't really talk about it. So I actually didn't, I think there's probably a lot of things that I look out in the world and see flawlessness or perfection. And I don't even, my inclination isn't to think what did they have done or how did they let me ask them like what products are you using or are you like doing anything you know I just assume that they genetically were born that way and that I wasn't and that I'm deficited and so that's a it's like a cool reminder that I mean just ask (laughs) and like if something seems perfect like okay there's probably something there and there's a lot of layers to it. You know, you can just like you take on, like choose to pay for something to feel better, own it. And that owning it, I think is part of the acceptance of like, I am actually okay without this. And I am okay enhancing it because it adds to what is already great. Um, so I appreciate both of those calls a lot. And I just must say, I'm actually not okay without my lashes, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You're not. I actually love love how you look without your eyelashes. I was actually telling people were saying that I like, I have a hard time with it. It's so funny. I was telling Dylan, I was like, Janelle's eyelashes are falling out. And I, I love how she looks without them. Not that you don't look great with them. I just, I don't know. You're you have a very, you have a natural beauty and I think that the eyelashes to me make it seem like it's because of these extra things again you still have beautiful both ways but I personally really <laughs> love you without them so thank you I, I think don't know there's I'm some... not gonna get it back done but I'm like <laughs> so sad about it what was um, that, Judy? uh I feel like so Janelle, you're in your 20s, and um, I just, I remember back then thinking to myself, if something happened to me that altered my, um, in my, my face or any part of my body, um, would, could, I, could I still be okay? Um, could I still love myself? And, and that was, a, and I don't remember like why that showed up for me back then. Um, I think I probably saw something on the news that had happened to somebody or something like that. And that question was really powerful for me in terms of how I'm navigating stuff right now. And just to have navigated it throughout my life with, with my relationship to my body is, and why I'm, I think part of the reason why I'm so intentional with it, because I, I think about people that have had their physical look um, altered, whether, you know, an accident or somebody did something to them or whatever it happened to be. And, and, um, I just remember contemplating that question of if something like that happened, could I still be okay? And, um, so that was kind of the, the start of my, my journey of intentionally deciding that internally I wanted to feel okay, no matter what. And, um, so anyway, I don't know why that just came up for me to share, but it, it felt relevant for me to share. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, I think about it. We've, we haven't had a full conversation on the podcast about this, the beauty privilege and how it's a thing. And I think I'm well aware of that too, but of course, when you have that privilege, quote unquote, and again, there's like a lot of layers to this that we probably won't get into in this conversation, but um, that I like, (laughs) it's like, you know, it is like, Oh, I know that I can turn on my charm and I have a certain aesthetic that a lot of people generally are attracted to that seems sweet and nice. And, um, yeah, it is interesting to think about what would life look like if you lose that. And I know Rachel, you've talked about shaving your head. Like that's even something sometimes that I'm like, what if I just like I can definitely alter, like I can just shave my head and like that changes 
how people perceive you, have, you know, not having lash extensions, that can change how people perceive you. It can change who shows up and who doesn't show up. And, um, I don't, and I don't know if I'm there of, of shaving my head yet, but I do think it's interesting when you start to chip away some of the things that society deems as maybe more desirable who leaves and, and who shows up and why do they leave and why do they show up? Because I definitely, I mean, we talked about this in the podcast, but I have been living from an external place for a really long time. Um, and how I think people perceive me, whether it be my personality or my looks, I place more value on it than I would like. Uh, so sometimes I'm like, what if you just like, your head and just say forget it like forget it all you know like you can't lean on it's almost like a crutch for me um in some ways so I've definitely had I've processed that thought before and what that would look like but I don't know if I actually want to do it (laughs) I I mean it's funny that Judy you talked about hair at the beginning because I think that's where Mm -hmm. I actually that's been my in to a lot of this stuff like I have known what it feels like to abruptly as a teenager have your whole look totally transformed without knowing it you know um whether that's scars losing my hair and I think that coming out of I had cancer as many people know and coming out of that experience I think that I tucked away the question that you asked yourself Judy in your 20s because I didn't I don't know I wasn't there but I do feel like I kind of am now and so yeah it's like it's a it's an evolution I don't know even if you like 100% are into what is there in front of you I still think that as humans in this experience of life in relationship with not just our bodies but a lot of things we're in relationship with it, which means some days are good and some days are weird and some days are uncomfortable and some days suck. And I think that's actually the point I'm realizing in all of this is that it's not about getting to this point where I'm like in love with everything that I see and I know exactly what to do with what's happening with my changing body but it's that I'm in relationship with it and I'm learning how to actually truly be in relationship with it so that I can see things for what they are and allow myself to be where I am and then, you know, do and be who I want to be from that place. Um, but it takes a lot of slowing down and a lot of getting it wrong <laughs> and a lot of forgetting. <laughs> yeah, acceptance piece again. We keep coming back to it, but I can bring it full circle to the beginning where I was talking about being attached to things and once you let go of them, there's freedom there. And this conversation for me, I know that my external appearance, there's some, I have attachment to it and it can relate back to fear of childhood because like many people, um, you know, I grew up and, I was like a chubby kid. I have some scarring moments where I remember the like the heaviest boy in the third grade class. We had to weigh ourselves or something, and he weighed a hundred pounds in third grade and stepped on the scale, and everyone was making fun of him. And then I weighed myself, and I weighed a hundred pounds in third grade. And you know, like the little things that you hold on to. And Judy, you kind of mentioned that at the beginning too, where all of a sudden there's quote unquote something wrong with you because of other people. Mm-hmm. And then in adulthood, a lot of us hold on tightly to the, you know, we might shame ourselves, but I think I also hold on tightly to the parts that I like about myself and that I can fit into this natural, um, or societal, I should say societal mold of beauty. And, but that's something I'm still holding on to. Like I haven't accepted that I can lose it or I haven't accepted that it can change as much as I would like to (laughs) get to a point where I can accept it. It's yeah. a practice. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely, it's a practice. Like Rachel said, it's, it's absolutely a journey, a process, a practice. There's intentionality behind it. You have to even want to do it in the first place because, um, I don't know, because you have to see benefit if, yeah. you know. Well, that's the thing. 
Like I still can viscerally remember the feelings of like people making, you know, like everyone kind of like making fun of you for your looks, but especially in those younger ages. So it's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Like the practice of you, I have to let go of that fear from even way back then to be able to also just be okay now. Absolutely. I think that, that Janelle, um, when you talked about freedom earlier in the conversation, I think that that's exactly what we're talking about here is that, that sense of feeling free to experience our bodies in the way that we want to experience them. And almost like the permit, like you said, Rachel, the permission piece to be able to do that and explore and see what works for you individually, I think is just such a cool message for people that it's okay. Like it's totally okay. It's all okay. No matter what you're doing, um, how you feel about it right now, but that invitation to actually just sit with it for a little bit, um, ask yourself some questions. Are you okay with where you're at? And if the answer is yes, then cool. Are you not? Then that's cool too. And and then you can take some steps to to change it if you want. Rachel, you know that I do meditation and um, I do mantra meditation. So one of my one of my mantras that um, I formed probably in the last, I think it was probably about a month ago, a month and a half ago, that I've been doing, you know, repeating um, every day in my meditations to myself is trust in um, the, my body's intelligence. And I think that that has helped me so much to look at my body a little bit differently than what I've looked at in the past. Um, And so it it gives me permission to understand that our our bodies are really smart, like really smart. You know, they're inflamed when we eat something that we're not supposed to eat. If we're we're bloated, like that's supposed to happen. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and so instead of resisting what my body is naturally doing, um, it's like, how can I love and accept that? And also take care of myself in a way that I'm working with my body instead of against it. So that's been a huge practice for me in the last month and a half. And I'm like thoroughly enjoying it. It's giving me a a kind of a unique perspective or a different perspective than what I've had in the past. Yep. I just, I think I'm realizing from this conversation how much how much more I need to develop a relationship with my body. I want to build a better relationship with it because it's hard. It hurts. Like I'm actually getting choked up now because it's, I mean, my body's gotten me through so much stuff. Um, I think for a while I was really scared about whether my body could because it got cancer, I was like, oh shit. I used to run until I would like throw up. And then there was a long period of time where I was like, anytime I reached a point of certain feelings, I'd be like, I don't know if I can push my body any further. And so I think that I lost my trust in my body somewhere along there. And I'm realizing Mm -hmm. right now that it's like reaching its arms out to me. Like, guess what? We're on the same team, buddy. Like, you don't have to fight with me. Like we're in this together, but you have to, mm-hmm. like, but, but you got to decide that you want to be in this with me. Um, and so that kind of commitment to myself, to my body is like, I can say all the right, all the good words and all the things that I know, but to actually live into that is like, I guess I'm sitting here right now realizing how how much work not how much work I have to do but like what's here for me if I really really want it which I apparently do because I'm having these conversations and I'm crying (laughs) (laughs) and um your body's intelligent yeah my body is literally sitting here right now Mm -hmm. being like I've always been here I'll keep being here I'm here when you're ready and so I think I'm ready to start to actually build a different 
connection with it. It's just so crazy. It's like we can talk about this stuff and, and know, like Janelle and I have conversations about this stuff all the time and yet to have it actually drop into the experience of it where you're experiencing it different, not just as a concept. Um, it's subtle, but it's big. And I feel like I just crossed a threshold during this um, episode. Easy to logically understand. I talk about this all the time. I'm like, logically, I understand. But in my body, I don't like, like my body, like the rest of me isn't there. My brain can understand the concept, but the rest of me isn't there. Mm-hmm. But thanks for sharing that, Rachel. I think that's very relatable. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, I guess I'm sitting here being like, it doesn't really matter if anyone got anything from that. I like, this whole thing was uh, like, I will selfishly take it <laughs> for myself because, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, this, I needed this. So thank you guys for bearing witness. And before we wrap, um, what is the question? Conjure it. What's that? I know. I think it's, (laughs) I mean, what's coming up for me is how do you live your true North in your body? So whatever comes up from that in one word, I see if you can do it. How do you live your true (laughs) North in your body? Or like, how does your body live your, how, no, how do you live your true North in your body? I'm going to leave it at that. Are we all answering this? Yes. Yes, we're all going to answer it. Can I go? Yes. Uh Or maybe hyphenated. Fully connected. Cool. Mine is acceptance. Sorry, I was on mute and I couldn't get it unmuted. Um, Mine is fluid. That was the fluid is the word that came up. Thank you, Judy, so much for having this conversation with us. I, yes, I, I definitely feel like there's more to this, um, but I really am grateful for where the conversation went. I think it went to different places than where conversations about the body typically go. So I appreciate you both and myself. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for having me. It was, you know, Rachel, you said how much you got out of it. I absolutely got a significant amount of insight for myself out of it also. So thanks for inviting me and it was super cool. Yeah. This has been another episode of the true North collective podcast for more from Rachel and I check us out on the gram at the true North collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.